The 2023 NFL Draft is less than three days away. Who will the Seahawks be taking? Rob Brang, Dallas Cooper, Nick Lee, and I are all going to be making our selections in our final mock drafts here on the final mock draft Monday of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined for the final Mock Draft Monday of 2023 by a circus of panelists here, Rob Rang, Nick Lee, Dallas Cooper, all four of us. It is history unlocked on Seahawks with all four of us joining the same show. It's either going to go smoothly or this is going to be a four alarm fire. I guess we'll find out how things go here as we get rolling. A special appreciation to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. With the first round less than three days away from kicking off in Kansas City, we're going to be celebrating the final mock draft Monday of the 2023 year by doing dueling mock drafts, seven rounds worth. We've got the first through the seventh round, 10 selections apiece, all different players. We're going to see who can take the title of best general manager here before the real deal comes up on Thursday night. And before we get there, this episode is brought to you away by BetterHelp. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. Visit BetterHelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. All right, let's get to it here. Our final mock draft Monday here on the Locked on Seahawks podcast for 2023. We conducted a four-person, seven-round mock draft, and there were only a few rules. First, we had a snake format. So we started with Nick getting the first pick. I picked second. Then we had Rob and Dallas. On our second selection, that order flipped. And so we alternated it for the 10 picks. Everybody got five picks with each of those lineups and we couldn't pick the same player also no trade downs because quite frankly that would have complicated things a little bit so we stuck with seattle's 10 native picks all different players we're going to be breaking down all of our selections and we're going to start that process off right now here with that number five pick and nick you had the honors of being the first host that got to pick in this four-person mock draft and you went with the player that we don't know whether or not Seattle's going to actually pick him or not, but he is the consensus favorite, at least from a fan perspective, to be selected there. Yeah, much like my favorite burger place, I'm, I've been in and out on Jalen Carter throughout this process. And, you know, I had to throw that in there. Um, you know, it's it, I was I talked myself out of him in the middle of the offseason, the middle of draft season. Now I'm starting to talk myself back into it. I mean, he's a generational talent in interior line. That's clearly... Um, the number one need for the Seahawks, even with some of the offseason moves they've made. And, you know, we're, we're talking perhaps the next Fletcher Cox, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, Chris Jones, like that kind of player, um, if he lives up to that billing. Of course, there's the risk. We all know it by now. It's well documented. I think the Seahawks are an organization that can handle some of that, you know, the, the pro, some of the guys that are projects off the field. Now, this guy's not a project on the field. He is anything but. He is. I think a proven commodity when, when he's when he's right between the ears, and uh, Pete Carroll's a wonderful coach for that kind of thing. I, I think Carter, I, I think even Carter's people are maybe hoping 
that the Seahawks call his name because I think that's a good fit. So just the, the generational talent at a huge position of need. I've talked myself back into Jalen Carter at five. I need to pick it point on the positive side of the fence to select him as well even though I have been waffling back and forth on this one if I had the first pick I would have probably gone with Jalen Carter but I had the second selection I'm staying on the defensive line and I know that he has not been the flavor of the month like he was in (laughs) February and part of March but Tyree Wilson is still a special player that I think might have one of the highest ceilings of any prospect in this entire draft class and I kind of scoff a little bit at the idea that he can't play in a 3-4 system because if you watch the film, I know he's not quite as twitchy as Will Anderson, but this guy moves really well for being six foot five, 270 pounds, and he's an incredible bull rusher. He also is a pretty well-developed run defender. We know the Seahawks desperately need that. If you don't think he can play outside, I would love to see him bulk up 10 to 15 pounds, maybe on the in-and-out diet, and he can get up to 285 and play three-tech and be a monster in the interior. I think this kid is going to be a really good NFL player, and if that has to be your fallback option to Jalen Carter, I like Tyree Wilson there. Rob, you were third on the clock here, and the two main defensive linemen were off the table, so not surprisingly, you one of the guy that you have mocked quite a bit to the Seahawks in this process. Well, and that's that's where I want to start here is, as you said, Corbin, the, the, the two defensive linemen have come off the board with your and Nick select, Nick's selections. Um, but previously, we had Will Anderson come off the board and, and what we were kind of anticipating. Of course, we had the basically the three quarterbacks, uh, you know, starting off with Bryce Young, but also C.J. Stroud and Will Levis come off the board as well as Will Anderson. So we're just starting off with that premise. And then I would have agreed with Nick's selection or your selection, Corey, but I think I would take either one of those defensive linemen would I, if I was on the clock making this selection for the Seahawks number five overall. But per our rules, those players are all off the board. And so my attention is just going to focus in on a player that, you know, I think it could be a generational talent as well. Um, you know, and, and that is the quarterback and Anthony Richardson. And there's no doubt there's some bus factor here, but at the same time, I think that the Seahawks are in a very unique position um, to be able to take a gamble on a, a, a talent like Richardson, because obviously they have a quarterback in place in Geno Smith. Richardson, I think, has the upside to be a, a dynamic player, an MVP, Cam Newton caliber player. I think that he does need some time, certainly some seasoning. And this is a guy that has a 55% uh, you know, career uh, completion weight. I mean, that's, you know, he's got 14 career starts. I mean, that's obviously very concerning. But again, the CX don't need him to come in and start immediately. And if they do get that inkling, if they, they want to have that immediate impact, I think similar to what we saw with Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia a year ago, you might be able to use, sprinkle in uh, some plays with Anthony Richardson. Again, I would go with one of the defensive linemen, but if kind of stuck into a corner without being able to trade back, to me, he, uh, Anthony Richardson is the player who I think has the most upside um, and, and scream Seahawk of the players that are available. Dallas got the short end of the stick in this simulation, being the last one to pick at number five. And so he didn't get Anthony Richardson or the two top defensive linemen. And so you were torn on either Devin Witherspoon or Christian Gonzalez, the two consensus top corners in this draft. Witherspoon's been the one linked to Seattle, but you decided to go a little different direction here with your fifth pick. I went with the lockdown cornerback already in the Pacific Northwest, Christian Gonzalez from the University of Oregon. And same thing with me, with cornerbacks that are above six feet and with as fluid of hips as he does, 
you don't pass on that. You bet on that. More times than not in the NFL, cornerbacks with those style of traits, they end up being very valuable assets. And to me, the difference between Witherspoon and Gonzalez comes down to versatility. Now, Witherspoon, to me, he worries me if he has to be isolated against a top-tier X receiver. I don't think he has the size, maybe even the long speed to go with a lot of the premier Xs in the league. However, Gonzalez, he matches up with that. 4-3 speed, six foot two, elite hips, under 7-3 cone. He's the guy I think the Seahawks really should be looking at at number five if all those guys aren't available. Seattle's hoping that is not the case and that they'll be able to pick from the litter of the guys that we've looked at here. Seattle has another first round pick. Let's get to number 20, which there's a lot of variables here. And of course, there was a bunch of players that went off the board. But Dallas, you had the honors because we're doing a snake draft here. You get Gonzalez at pick five at pick 20. You decided to go with another skill player on the other side of the football. And goes back to the same thing with me. Dynamicism. Zay Flowers is dynamic. And in terms of a yak threat, he's the guy. At Boston College, he was there practically the only guy that they were looking to. And every defense knew that. Yet, he was the guy dominating out there making plays. Even reminds me a little bit of a guy like Tyler Lockett in terms of being undersized, yet with the ability to constantly track the ball over the shoulder, really good in contesting catches. Even reminds me, if we're going to go even farther back, of a guy like Santana Moss. Good route runner, great explosion. And I think he's really a quality pick at number 20. That makes me feel real old that we're talking about that being a way back pick with Santana Moss. But it has been a long time. So, Rob, you went to the trenches with your pick. Now, I don't know that this guy is actually going to be there at number 20. But with the mock simulator we had, Peter Skronsky fell right into Seattle's lap. And I think all of us would agree at number 20, that would be a great value addition. Well, and then that was my thinking here is that, again, we're in the first round and you have to get a very good player, obviously. Um, and as, uh, as I just explained him a couple of moments ago, I went with Anthony Richardson, the quarterback position. I think that I would be stunned if, if Seattle was to go through the first round, their first two picks and not uh, address the line of scrimmage. I, I think that the point that Dallas has been making, for example, with, with the corner and the receiver back to back, terrific players, terrific explanation of why that there is, uh, you know, why Seattle should be considering those two players, in my opinion. But at the same time, I just go back to what we all saw a season ago where Seattle was just whipped at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And so I would love for there to be a stud defensive lineman that in, fell into Seattle's lap at 20. But at this point, it's Skaronsky. I, I think that he might be able to give you that positional versatility um, to, to play outside a tackle. But I view him at guard. Damian Lewis is Seattle's left guard. I think that this would necessitate moving him to right guard. It would create all kinds of problems. I don't love anything about it except the fact that Peter Skaronsky is a really good football player and if you fell all the way on the 20 i think that you just have to consider him so to me that that's why i made this selection again i think it's probably the least likely of all the picks i made uh in in this draft just because again as, as you mentioned corbin i think that he's likely to be off the board and you know in the top 12 15 picks I also picked a player here at number 20 that may or may not be on the board at this point in a receiver class that has some talent but isn't the best we've seen. Zay Flowers is another player that I would have considered here, but since Dallas took him, he was off the board. 
I decided why not get another Megatron to put with DK Metcalf and really give cornerbacks nightmares. Quentin Johnston from TCU, another six foot three, super athletic, can jump through the building style receiver, wins a lot of contested catches downfield. Imagine being a defensive coordinator and having to game plan for Metcalf and Johnson. Oh, by the way, underneath you've got Tyler Lockett running routes all over the place too. Also can beat you vertically. So this might be viewed as a luxury pick, but Seattle desperately needs a upgrade at number three receiver so why not get a player like quentin johnston has a chance to be an impact player right away and nick capping off the first round you had the last selection at number 20 and you decided to stick with the same school as your first pick i mean why not go with the back-to-back national champions with a historically good defense um i doubled down with with the defensive front and and choosing um edge nolan smith and, you know, I know for some, he might be a touch undersized as a true edge. Um, and maybe especially if you, you want to slide him in and play a true 4-3, you know, a five-tech defensive lineman or defensive end. I just like the tools and the raw skills. He's got first-round tools, first-round traits. And, you know, he's, he's actually a really good run defender. He's gotten he's back-to-back seasons of at least an 82-grade uh, run defense. And so that's not something you, you would expect with some of someone with his athletic profile. But it, you know, the Seahawks could sure use a couple of more good run defenders. And you know whose physical and athletic profile he fits? It's Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick is a, it's a very similar uh, profile. So you know, big people that say, oh, it might not work. You know, he might not be that blue chip um, guy like the like the couple you know top three edge guys in the draft. But you know, Hassan Reddick just had an All Pro 16 sack season with a very similar physical build. Um, now, of course, the question is, can the Seahawks use him properly? Um, like the Eagles did with Hassan Reddick as they're running the NFC title. But I just like the traits. You know, with, he's got a better 40 time, a better vertical leap than Hassan Reddick um, coming out of college. So he's just got those first round traits. It'll just be a question of can the Seahawks utilize that. But I really, really like the talent at the edge with Nolan Smith. The best part about this draft, the Seahawks don't just have two first rounders. They have two second rounders. We are going to get to those selections on our final mock draft Monday of 2023 coming up next year on Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought your way by BetterHelp. Life can be full of twists and turns and throw a few wrenches at you when you least expect it. So it's important to show yourself through it all. BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and can match you with your own licensed personal therapist in less than 48 hours. Therapy worked wonders for me, but don't just take my word for it. Having someone in your corner to guide you when you're struggling to navigate obstacles can be invaluable. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online and available to people worldwide. With therapy, it can take a few tries to find the right fit for you. BetterHelp is a great way to invest in yourself and has a special offer for our listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash locked on. That's 10% off your first month of online therapy at betterhelp.com slash locked on. You're listening to Mock Draft Monday here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined by a quartet of hosts here today. We've got Rob Rang. We've got Dallas Cooper. We've got Nick Lee as we are diving into all of our seven-round mock drafts. Special thanks to all the 12, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We're going to continue our draft. Second round, things start to speed up a little bit, so we're going to go more rapid-fire through these selections. And, Nick, you are back on the clock at pick number 37, and maybe the first away from your Jalen Carter selection, but the first somewhat controversial selection after re-signing Geno Smith, you're going into the quarterback well at pick number 37. Yeah, my favorite quarterback that's not in the C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, you know, 
tier is Hendon Hooker out of Tennessee. I really like his game. He's You cannot ignore the 58 touchdown, five interception ratio at Tennessee. He's had the last couple seasons. Um, he's second best turnover worthy play rate in the NCAA, ranked seventh in, in, in touchdown passes over 20 yards. Duke can sling it. And he's coming off an ACL tear, so he needs a red shirt year and to learn under a veteran. What a better situation than to have it be under Geno Smith with the Seahawks. I think that's a great a fit, um, a great situation for both. You know, you're not you're not selling the farm, but you also might have just found your franchise quarterback. And with my draft, you got a possible franchise quarterback learning under Geno Smith and Hendon Hooker and maybe the best overall talent in Jalen Carter. Um, so I, th- I think I'm starting out pretty good. I would tend to agree that you're having a pretty good draft so far, so far. But I think in terms of value, and I wouldn't have thought this before the Senior Bowl, but at pick 37, getting Keanu Benton, who I actually at this point, I view him as the second best, at least on my board, the second best all-around defensive tackle in terms of flexibility. Jalen Carter would be number one, but Keanu Benton can play three tech, four eye. He can play nose at 312, 315 range. Really physical, a guy that you're not going to run the football at. That was something he dominated at Wisconsin with, and I love the fact he has become a much more polished pass rusher. Had four sacks last year, was doing really well, getting past guys with swim moves and rip moves at the Senior Bowl. This is Seattle's new nose tackle, so that's why I'm picking him at number 37. I know, Rob, you were thinking the same line as I was at this point after both of us missed out on opportunities to get the defensive line addressed in the first round. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I wound up going with an offensive lineman in Skaronski just because I thought he was the best player available. And then again, the quarterback and Anthony Richardson, the first selection. So I just have to address that gaping hole that is the defensive line at this point. I'm going to be trying to gobble up as many of them as I can. And so with uh, you taking Keanu Benton there, which I think is a good pick, and then the previous pick as well, I thought, you know, both good selections here. But to me, Mozzie Smith is a guy that, for similar reasons that you just mentioned, Corbin, the, the, the positional schematic versatility i know that everybody views him uh as ideally kind of that three four nose guard and if that's the scheme that seattle chooses to run then then sure i think that he fits in that regard but i also think that he fits in just straight as a four three defensive tackle as we talked about before he's got a little bit more burst to him i, I think that he can be a, a little bit more of a pass rush threat than what he showed at michigan there's no doubt that he has the, the power and the toughness that you're looking for as a run defender so to me he, he is a player that i thought made a lot of sense at number 37 and Dallas, you went back to the trenches for the first time with your first second round pick and the man that we call the Viking, both figuratively and literally, Cody Mock at pick number 37. So for this pick, I was actually kind of upset that Rob took Mozzie Smith because Mozzie was the one that <laughs> I wanted. Mozzie was the one that I wanted. And going to what Rob said, his positional versatility is really good. He, I think he's going to be a dominant three technique actually in the league. Somebody will give him the shot to do that. But for me, I went with the Viking. I think in the league, he's going to be an interior offensive lineman. And I think immediately he gives competition against Phil Haynes. And also, what has been the name of the game for the Seahawks offseason? Versatility. And he played tackle in college. So if worst comes to worst, knock on wood, we hope this doesn't happen. But if Cross or Lucas aren't available for certain games, if even if both of them are out, you have the ability to now throw Ma out there or the Viking or even guys like Stone Forsyth, there's quality depth that the Seahawks could gather along for the offensive line. And Dallas, you get to continue the festivities because you are right back on the clock at pick number 52. And I know that this was a pick that you were really excited about at this stage of the draft. And 
I needed a defensive lineman. I haven't taken one yet in the draft. Most of them have been taken prior to when I've been able to pick. But Siaki Ika at number 54 is the guy that I would pick. And we talked about the scheme fit. Seattle sticking with the 3-4. If they're going to use that nose tackle, Siaki Ika is the guy for that. Over 340. Simple. There's not much to describe his game. Power, power, power. He comes in and he's going to replace Al Woods. And he's going to be the new starting nose tackle for the Seahawks. Yeah, Ika's a guy that has been linked to the Seahawks throughout this draft process, especially after they released Al Woods. Now, flipping it back to Nick with his next selection here in the second round. Nick, who did you roll with here pick 52? Well, I got my hopefully franchise quarterback with 37, so I'm going to give him a weapon, and that's Rasheed Rice out of SMU. I think he just fits the profile of a receiver that Seattle doesn't quite have. Um, He's not as big as DK Metcalf. He's bigger than Tyler Lockett. Not quite the surgeon that uh, Tyler Lockett is, but he's pretty physical towards the DK Metcalf side. So I like that blend. Um, and, you know, he's good off. He's got good off scripts, you know, football IQ. And I got to love the production. 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns last year for SMU. So uh, give me Rasheed Rice as a weapon for, for Hendon Hooker. Leave it to the running back guy to be the one that takes a running back first in this mock draft. But if Jameer Gibbs is there at pick number 52, the Seahawks have absolutely got to pounce. We're talking about a guy that could be a feature back in the NFL. I think he's got some first round attributes. He can pluck the ball out of the air like a receiver. And that's really the thing that jumps out to me. You compliment Ken Walker the third with a guy that's got really soft hands and reminds me to an extent of Alvin Kamara. If you could put a guy like that with Ken Walker the third as your one-two punch, I think Pete Carroll would be doing uh, he'd be doing jumping jacks, whatever else, in the draft room if he can get him. And Rob, you've been focusing on the trenches, and I know there's a center that you were really fired up was still there at pick 52. Yeah, exactly. I think that Joe Tipman from Wisconsin has a chance to be a first-round pick. And so, as you just mentioned, like uh, with, with Jameer Gibbs, for example, Corbin, I just think that he he would qualify as the best player available, but also be a, a position of obvious concern. Again, just like running back, uh, center. Look, you know, Evan Brown is a, is a solid player, but at the same time, I don't think that he has as proven himself to be even a a a quality starter and much less the long-term answer. Um, And so if you are able to get a long-term answer at that center position, then I think that it's going to make it a lot easier. Again, I'm not only obviously for Geno Smith, but for the quarterback who, uh, you know, at least in this projection, I selected number five overall in Anthony Richardson. Tipman's athleticism and size combination is just too much to ignore at this spot. All right, let's move to the third round. Pick number 83, we did this mock draft over text messaging, and so didn't get to see the facial reaction, but I can only imagine what Rob was thinking when Nick made this pick first to open the third round. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're down to the third round. Still don't have a linebacker. The Seahawks certainly have a need for that. Uh, Dayon Henley out of Wazoo, uh, 106 tackles, 12 tackles for loss, four sacks last year high motor sometimes a little too hot maybe you know, over pursues but i think i don't see that necessarily as a bad thing um i think sometimes he uses that, his athleticism more than instincts so that's maybe why he's, he's down towards the third second third round but i think he's got the traits of a possible you know first or second round linebacker um got the athletic traits i think he's got great sideline to sideline you know, pursuit and speed um, plus run defender as well. The Seahawks, again, could use a few more of those. So I really like Henley's game as a, you know, projects as the, uh, one of the future off-ball linebackers for the Seahawks. You went with one of the flashier, more athletic players in this draft class. 
I decided to finally get down and dirty in the trenches with a player that is jumping rapidly up my board, and that is Warren McClendon, who played tackle at Georgia. There's a lot of people that view him as a day three selection, but I would pick him at 83 for the same reason that Dallas mentioned earlier with Cody Mock. I think McClendon, when you look at the athletic profile, the quick feet, this is a guy that I think you can slide in at guard, and he immediately gives. Phil Haynes a run for his money right guard. You might have your long-term start at that position. Another guy coming from the two-time defending national champions. And so I just like the versatility, the athleticism, a little bit of nastiness to his game too. So that is a player that I was really excited to get here at 83 and upgrade my interior offensive line. Swinging back to Rob, you are on the clock here at pick number 83. Yeah, and again, I just want to continue to get bigger, stronger, uh, meaner along the defensive line. Um, you know, I went with Monty Smith before, much to the chagrin of my buddy Dallas. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I took Monty Smith before. And then another player here in Zach Pickens from South Carolina, who I think, you know, Corbin, we are, I, I often use the expression kind of a junkyard dog, you know, just yeah. like kind of a big, mean, nasty sucker that, that I think that Seattle has lacked along the defensive line uh, here for, for a while now. Uh, to me, Zach Pickens is one of those guys. That, there's a number of them in, in this class. And that's why I would not be surprised if this – Late day two, third round, fourth round, if this is a position that Seattle, whether it be, again, a player like Pickens or somebody else, I do think that this is going to be a position they'll look to address in the middle rounds. And Dallas, welcome to the club, because now I am not the only one that has taken a running back in the first three rounds, so you and I can both be chastised by our listeners. Yes, I went with Izzy Abaniconda from Pittsburgh, and immediately the scheme fit. A lot of zone scheme running, and Shane Waldron's going to have a field day. And we've been talking about athletic profile. This kid has top-tier NFL running back traits. 5'11", 216, yet four threes in the 40-yard dash. In terms of build and speed, his profile actually, this is, again, is going to be way back. I'm going to bring it back to the 90s. Amon Green out of Nebraska. That profile is very similar in terms of size, size and speed. He brings a lot of that, a lot more inexperienced. But if the Seahawks can get him under Ken Walker, he could be a dynamic RB2 for them. He's a player that is climbing up my list that I've certainly been intrigued about. I'm really looking forward to where John Schneider has made his bread and butter, and that's been day three. We're going to get to those coming up next. A special thanks to all of the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And make sure to check out, we have a Locked on NFL mock draft that is available on YouTube and all major podcast platforms. We had all 32 teams dishing out picks. I actually made three selections in the first round. And for the most part, fans have been pretty critical of the selections I've made. And so I really do feel like John Schneider. So make sure to check out those picks. Again, that is on YouTube and all major podcast platforms. Locked on NFL Mock Draft. We have outstanding contributors, national experts that are grading out all these selections too. It's a great six-part series. Make sure to check it out. Let's stick with our Mock Draft now. Going to the fourth round, pick number 123. We're going to play rapid fire here. And I'm going to pick on Rob first here. Pick sure. number 123 in the fourth round. Who'd you go with and why? Well, I, again, just pick 123. You're looking at best player available. And the old Miss wide receiver, Jonathan Mingo, just kind of fell into my lap. And I thought, my goodness, I want to get another receiver here. We've talked about the, the need to get a, a third playmaker at that receiving core. And Mingo, to me, I, I think that he's probably going to be picked, oh, I don't know, 40, 50 spots higher than this. But, 
if for whatever reason uh, he were available here, uh, you know, and, and start off day three, I, I think that Josh Schneider would be very happy with this selection. And we had not had a tight end come off the board yet, but Dallas decided to break that run. We know that a lot of fans don't think it's a need, but they've got two players set to be free agents next year. And so you're being proactive with this fourth round pick. I just wanted a dynamic athlete at the tight end position. A guy with soft hands, good blocker. He can do both things. And he's going to come in, be a get good depth. He Tucker Craft out of South Dakota State. And again, we're talking about profiles. A guy that also went to South Dakota State in Dallas Goddard profiles very similarly. Not in terms of play style as much, but in terms of just athleticism and size is very close. Yeah, that would be a really interesting guy to bring on your roster and learn under the tight ends that they have. For me, in the fourth round, I'm continuing to stockpile defensive linemen because if they drafted five defensive linemen in their 10 picks, I would not bat an eye at it with where their depth is at right now. Moro Ojimo from Texas, I just keep going back to that performance against Alabama. And I actually watched the film. I thought maybe he had shorter arms, but he actually has pretty good length. And so that might be an area for improvement for him that he has to utilize that a little bit better. But I like the aggressiveness. I like the positional versatility. And to get him early on day three, I think he's a guy that you can plug in. He can play significant snaps for you as a reserve on this defensive line. Maybe be a starter down the road. Nick, for you in the fourth round, what direction did you roll? Got my first running back out off the board and then Tajay Spears out of Tulane. Um, I mean, 1,581 rushing yards, 19 rushing touchdowns last year, uber, uber productive, you know, and he was one of the most productive running backs in all of college football and his best two games of the season arguably were against UCF and USC to finish the year. Uh, we can talk about USC's defense later, but um, he just super productive. Might not have, you know, the prototypical – you know, third down back kind of skills, you know, with the pass catching and pass protection. But as far as a, you know, Robin to Ken Walker's Batman in the run game, I think I like his traits. I like just the complimentary style. And I think he's a sneaky good running back in this class. Swinging to the fifth round, we have two fifth rounders in quick succession. So we're going to fly through these looking at pick number 151. We're going to start with Rob on this one. Rob, you went to linebacker finally, and I'm going to be honest, if this kid is still there in the fifth round, this has a chance to be a steal for the Seahawks. No, I 100% agree. And, uh, you know, Nick just taking Tajay Spears from Tulane. I was thinking, you know, Tulane Green Wave and Dorian Williams is still on the clock. And so, my goodness, I just had to, you know, kind of cartwheel myself down to the podium to make, to make that selection. I just think the athletic ability um, is just really exciting at this point. Um, you know, and – uh, I think that was it was Nick, I believe, that, that took uh, Dayon um, from uh, Washington State, Dayon Henley, the linebacker. And so to me, you're getting a very similar player at this point in the draft. That you, you got to be all in with that. Um, so to me, the the athletic, the athleticism of the outside linebacker, uh, the, the production against you, as you mentioned, uh, you know, with um, Tajay Spears against USC, uh, you know. Dorian, Dorian Williams was the MVP of that game. I mean, he was absolutely spectacular. And 17 tackles, you know, career high, and you know, against the, the Trojans in that performance. So, to me, I just love the upside of an athlete like that at this point in the draft. I love the upside of a six foot three corner that's got long arms and is a really good athlete. And I know that some of our listeners are going to be like, this is boring. This is what Pete Carroll does every year. Well, exactly. That's why I'm taking Corey Trice Jr. from Purdue at pick number 151 because this guy actually has pretty good ball skills. This is not a Tariq Woolen type situation where you're bringing a guy in that hasn't played the position much. He was a four-year starter. 
for the Boilermakers in the Big Ten. Productive, maybe not a great run defender at this point. That's something they're going to have to clean up. But Tariq Woolen wasn't either, and he played pretty well against the run last year. So this would be the kind of guy on day three that I think Pete Carroll would be dreaming of being able to pick and bring it into that secondary to develop, maybe be an eventual starter with Tariq Woolen. Nick, let's bring it over to you. You've really avoided the offensive line for the most part to this point. You decided to go get somebody to beef up the trenches here at pick 151. Yeah, I've actually waited uncomfortably long for my for my own liking for the offensive line. And I'm going to go Braden Daniels, another uncomfortable school for me in Utah. Um, but <laughs> he's, just got, he's just got all the tools and like what Dallas mentioned earlier, the versatility. Braden Daniels – yeah, is as versatile as they come along the offensive line. Damian Lewis is not going to be around forever. I mean, or I shouldn't say that, but his contract is up at the end of the year. Um, and who's the best guard aside from Lewis and Haynes? And there's a large drop off. I think Daniels projects better as a, as a guard. He does have over 100 career snaps at Utah at left tackle, right guard, and right tackle. So he's very, very versatile. I think he can be the perfect swing lineman. Lineman, and you know, we'll see what Andy Dickerson can do and maybe develop, developing him into, into a starter somehow in the interior. Dallas, I could sense when we were doing this draft that this was a pick that you were extremely fired up about. And maybe it's a little earlier than some people may expect, but Jose Ramirez is a phenomenal athlete at the edge rusher position coming out of Eastern Michigan. Because of how the draft fell for me, I wasn't able to get a guy like Nolan Smith early in the draft at the top of the draft. But in terms of value in the fifth round, Jose Ramirez, in terms of just pure athleticism, isn't that far off. 6'9", 5'3", cone, 6'2", 238, sounds a lot similar to both Nolan Smith and Hassan Reddick. Yet, Jose Ramirez also brings a top-tier 10-yard split. His burst is really there, and that could be what launches him to even be higher than what I expect. He could be even going in the third round in draft. And then three picks later... You were the first one since Rob in round one or and, and Nick in round two that decided to go on a day three quarterback with Dorian Thompson Robinson. In the real draft, I don't think there's any possible way that Robinson falls to this pick. He's probably going to get selected in the third or fourth round. But in terms of upside, you Anthony Richardson has a cannon of arm, great profile, great size. DTR isn't that far off, and he doesn't have the same weight as Anthony Richardson does, but 6'3", over 200 pounds, had one of the fastest throws in at the combine, elite athleticism, great work ethic from all the coaches that were around him. I think this is a really quality pick, and this could be a guy that you just put under Geno, and you see what happens. Again, this is only a day three pick. I can when the drawing on was uh, Mr on the Simpson when he had an opportunity here at pick 154 to get his guy in the backfield. Yeah, Deuce Vaughn. I mean, I haven't had a, an opportunity to take a running back yet just because of the kind of the way that the draft fell. And again, uh, just a, a real focus on the line of scrimmage. And I felt like I needed to do that after initially taking the quarterback at, at number six overall, or number five overall, obviously. Um, and I just kind of wanted to go back for a moment to what Dallas was saying about Dorian Thompson-Robinson. I mean, just I, I'm a big, big, big fan of DTR. Um, and, and so, again, it he, to me, he is the natural kind of consolation prize, so to speak. And I hate saying that about a guy. He, he's got more touchdowns than anybody in this class. He has got he's got a more uh, he, he was more accurate this past season than anybody in this class. He ran for more touchdowns, uh, you know, than anybody in this class. I mean, DTR is absolutely spectacular player. And then Dallas, you mentioned the the you know the ball speed at the combine, and I'm not a huge fan of that, except for the fact that the guy who 
VTR tied for the fastest ball speed of all time at, to measure the combine tested since 2008 is Josh Allen. And so anytime you mention kind of football royalty like that, then you've got my attention. And, and so, uh, again, 62 miles an hour at, at the combine this year. So, again, I, I'm making the justification more for Dallas's selection than my own. But, Corbin, I, I've talked so much about Deuce, Deuce Vaughn. I, I just absolutely love the player. I love the talent. Uh, there, there's a lot of backs in this class that I really, really think makes a lot of sense for the Seahawks. I just think that they need to have somebody who can be a finisher, Deuce Vaughn scored, you know, what, 40-plus touchdowns over his career and can also be a guy that can give you something in a return game. Now, he didn't do that before, but that's what he's been working on. I believe that he is going to be the next Aaron Sproles, and by that, I mean a multiple pro bowler. Again, at this point in the draft, I'm, that's exactly what I'm looking for. And I was looking for more help on the defensive line. I went into this draft prioritizing that interior because they only have two guys right now, really, that are healthy, that can play that position. I've already gotten Ojmo earlier in the draft. I was able to get Keanu Benton. I want to get somebody that can really get after the quarterback in the interior. So if Colby Wooden is still there in the fifth round, a guy that gradually got better in the sack and quarterback hit department, during his four years at Auburn, 285 pounds, can play three-tech, can slide out as a base end in even fronts. That kind of player is a great value at this stage, especially coming from the SEC. He's played against top competition. So to get him here, this was the one where I was doing jumping jacks because he's a player I think could maybe be a late day two selection with his athleticism and his pass rushing ability. Real quick, we've got two more picks. we got a sixth rounder and a seventh rounder. Let's get to our sixth round pick at 198. Nick, you are on the clock here first. You went with a center continuing your late round binge on offensive linemen and you decided to bring the juice to the middle with juice scrubs yeah i hated waiting this long for a, a position that i have been pounding the table all offseason that the seahawks need to upgrade on um but juice scrubs every it was the everyday center for a really good penn state football team team captain tree trunk kind of base um at, at times i know he was a bit more on the defense as a blocker on the defense as a blocker than more of an attacker which i don't love um, but the physical traits are there. I, I do want to see what Andy Dickerson can do with him. I, I, I don't think Evan Brown is like the, the, the saving grace of the, of the center position. Um, and maybe two Scruggs can learn under him for a year. He's certainly more of a project. He's got those traits. But I, maybe Andy Dickerson and crew can find lightning in a bottle and you're starting center in the sixth round. We'll see. And I know that Rob was looking for a starting guard in the sixth round, too, and a player that he values maybe a little higher than a lot of other draft experts. Yeah, I do. I think that Anthony Bradford from LSU, to me, is a top 100 prospect. Uh, I mean, so if he is available here, then I'm very intrigued by him. He is a mauler on tape, but then you you watch him at the workouts, and the 10-yard the, the splits really are impressive. I mean, it's very, very quick. And and so to me, it kind of fits in a little bit with what Dickerson's looking to do as well. I just think that he's a dynamic athlete. I already have two interior offensive linemen. I took Tipman the center. I took, uh, you know, Skoronsky, of all people, at, at number 20 overall um so i didn't necessarily need to address the offensive line though again being addressing the line of scrimmage is absolutely my top priority in, in this draft and so when i had a guy that i thought was a top 100 player followed me here at sixth in the sixth round i just had to make that selection 
That's how I felt picking a second running back. And I strongly believe the Seahawks will pick multiple running backs. There's only two on the roster right now. And so if Dwayne McBride is there in the sixth round, the fumbles concern me. But then you watch the way this guy runs the ball. He runs like a combine mowing over guys, averaging 4.6 yards per carry after contact. That just screams Pete Carroll style back. And he's a little different than the one that I picked earlier in Jameer Gibbs. And so you put those two with Ken Walker III and DJ Dallas. That is a running back stable that I can get behind and get really excited about. And Dallas, I know you have missed out on some of your interior linemen, but there's one here in day three that you certainly liked having available there in the sixth round. Kobe Turner. And Kobe Turner is a name that I think is going to hear called a lot sooner than this. Again, little bit undersized at the three tech position he's only about 290 a little bit shorter arms but the burst and the bend at that position is there the pass rushing upside i think worse comes to worse you're getting a rotational guy on passing downs who can come in at three tech whether you're in the even front or in your in your bare front and he's going to come in and rush the passer i think that's what you could ask for at this pick Let's talk seventh round, our Mr. Irrelevance. All of us have our Mr. Irrelevance here. Nick, who was your Mr. Irrelevant and why? Well, I got Dayon Henley from Wazoo as a linebacker. I'm doubling down on linebacker here. Um, again, seventh round, you know, you're looking for role players, some, you know, lightning in a bottle or special teams kind of guys. Cam Jones, linebacker um, out of Indiana, another off-ball linebacker. Maybe it could be a special teams playmaker. He's a three-year team captain. Good pursuit good play recognition skills, which I think, you know, all those things blend together and make, I think would be a pretty solid special teams player at worst. So, you know, you, you can have, add some some depth behind Dayon Henley and, and Bush and Wagner at linebacker. And also at, in the meantime, maybe a, a pretty darn good special teams player. And Rob, I know that the player that you selected here has day two talent, but there are major red flags that probably are going to drop him towards the end of the day three and getting him here while it might seem maybe improbable with his talent it does seem like it's trending that direction and this might be where you're willing to take that flyer well exactly uh with jeremy banks you, you're talking about again a top 100 talent um and you know if we have come to the conclusion that seattle might be taking players that have some off-field issues then then hey let, let's go all in let's get good <clears throat> let's get good football players um jerry banks is a good football player he does have some off-field issues this basically would be the exact opposite approach of what nick just mentioned there with cam jones who as as you said i mean he was a three-time captain Jeremy Banks had some issues with Tennessee and getting into fights with teammates. Now, Seattle obviously would have to do a lot more investigating to make sure that he is the player that they feel like would fit into their clubhouse or fit into their locker room. But at the same time, the the, the point is when you watch him on tape, this is an impact linebacker. I still have concerns, at least on the draft that I, that I had here for Seattle at the linebacker position. So to me, he made an awful lot of sense at this spot. And then Dallas finally adds some beef. One of the day three specials at nose tackle. Not many of these guys in this class, but being able to go out and get Gerard Clark from Coastal Carolina to anchor the middle of this defensive line. My last pick, I had to take Clark. And at this selection, I'm thinking with Woods, Ford, all these guys not being back, this nose tackle room needs everything they can get, minimum two. Clark is going to fit that mold. And worst comes to worst, he can fill in the Monet role while Monet is coming back. He's going to come back from injury. Again, another rotational 0-1 to one tech, 334, 
power again heavy hands and that's really what i think he can add, bring to the table is just that rotational guy on rundowns in the early first and second downs none of us picked a safety in the first six rounds with all the talent seattle has in that position but if daniel scott from california who put up impressive numbers at his pro day really athletic at the combine also did really well and was a senior bowl participant had a good week in mobile played on some bad teams, but I see the film and I see a guy that might be able to start at some point. If you can get him in the seventh round with Jamal Adams' injury history, Quandre Diggs getting a little older, this was a pick that made a lot of sense to me. So I went out and plucked Daniel Scott as my Mr. Irrelevant. As a player that can develop, that can play special teams right away and maybe play some sub packages early on in his career as well. This was an absolute blast to all the 12s out there that are listening in. We are going to be posting all of our full drafts when we share this episode. Your job is going to be telling us which one of us was the best general manager with these dueling mock drafts. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbett Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang, Nick at Nickley51, and Dallas at Dallas C. Cooper. Subscribe and follow Locked On Seahawks on YouTube and other major podcast platforms to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Coming up tomorrow, Rob and I are going to be taking a look at all the different scenarios that could play out in the first five picks and how that could impact what John Schneider and company decided to with their fifth overall selection. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in. Enjoy draft week. Go Hawks.